welcome to If You've Come This Far. I'm Chris, and uh, I'm here with my partner, Sean. This is our podcast where we set out to have uh, authentic conversations with interesting people about um, what they're doing to make life more meaningful and impactful. Uh, and our guest today is Tonya Rivers, um, who is a, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, Sean, but she's a mother in the construction industry. How's that for a lead-in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, mother in the construction. Who runs a podcast called Mothers in Construction? Uh, that's really a cliffhanger. Thanks, Chris. Uh, no, Tonya is amazing. Um, got connected to Tonya after listening to her um, her interview with Paul Sullivan, who's our friend from the Company of Dads, who's been on the show. Um, she was just really. I I connected with her on a number of levels. I thought she was she was great on on her podcast, and then we just, from a men living perspective, had started to focus on the construction industry, given that we learned that it's got the highest rate of suicide of of any industry by far, and given that it's, well, I got corrected during the interview. I called it male dominated. Mm. Chris corrected me, said no, no, that would be not the the incorrect word, right? I mean. <laughs> Heavily male populated industry, even though it's 90-10, however you want to, however you want to look at that. But I stand corrected. We all know you have a way better vocabulary than me. Anyway, that's not true so, at all. And I wasn't so correcting very, you for the record. I was. I, well, I think the listener can be the judge of whether or not I was correcting you. Have I corrected yeah. you before? Yes. Have you corrected me multiple before? countless times? <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> Anyway, anyways, it's not about us. It's about Tony. Not about us. That's and, right. And she is awesome. I think, you know, she gets into her life uh, in construction, uh, how she got there, being a mom in construction, raising three kids, being a, a military spouse, and and the impact that that had on her work. But just very thoughtful. And, and, and she's someone who's trying to make a change. Uh, in the industry, and I would say that uh, we're we're both very impressed with with her. Super impressed, super impressed, and and you know we keep coming back to this industry. It's such a large industry, and it affects so many people. Uh, both, you know, at the sort of the blue collar end of, of thing, the trade industries, you know, that that populate construction, but also. Um, you know, she is on the leadership side of construction. She's a project right. manager. We got to hear about um, a fascinating project that she led. Yes. That I won't spoil, but um, yeah, I mean, she's uh, she's smart. She's um, heart centered, uh, and she, and she's tough. Uh, she, and I think yeah. I, I I think the listener will really enjoy getting to meet her. That's she is. Hi, Tonya. Good morning. Can you all hear me? We can hear you fine. Loud and clear. Good, good. How are you doing today? Good. I'm glad we could do this. Yes, yes. I actually had some um, transitions uh, yesterday. I said, we are not canceling this meeting, so I'm I'm holed up in a room right now. So hopefully my kids don't come in. <laughs> oh, if they come in, that's fine. We're totally, totally fine, fine. If they come that, if they come in. Yep. Great. Tony, I, I, lo- I loved. Oh, yeah, I, I just say I loved your. I loved your email last week. You're like, wait, is this gonna be? We're we doing video too. It's a great question. <laughs> look at us. Do we want to do? Look at us. Do we really want to do video? <laughs> right. Well, you guys are great. Right. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, happy belated Father's Day, if you all are dads. Um, Thank you. Not Thank only you so was much. it Father's Day, but it was also my son's birthday. So it's yes, busy, busy day, busy weekend. I, yeah, I think Sean, Sean was fixing to ask you about your kids uh, or, oh, yes. or or child. Yeah, how, how old are they? How, how old are they again? Uh, a five 
eight and my son just turned 11 yesterday. 11. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they keep, keep you busy. So, uh, so we're together today. So I, I, uh, Paul Sullivan from Company of Dads has uh, been a guest on this podcast and is a friend. And I think we consider him a partner at Men Living. And so I listened to the podcast you did with him for Mothers in Construction. And I thought it was great. And and it just so happened that we were also at Men Living um, beginning to start an initiative where where we were engaging the construction industry. Again, you and I kind of talked about this where they're depending on where you look at the CDC says they, they have the highest rate of suicide of any industry uh, by far. And so, you know, we said, Hey, we're, you know, we're, we're it being, and we're going to talk about this, it being a male dominated industry and us kind of being focused on men. We're like, okay, well, let's, let's pursue something in the construction space. But I thought it was after hearing you, I thought it was really important that, you know, we get together. So you and I had a conversation and, and now uh, having you here to talk with Chris and I more about what you're doing, your perspectives on the industry, how, you know, how the industry is. I mean, arguably with the infrastructure uh, law that came down, I mean, there's going to be one and a half million new construction jobs. And with guys checking out, arguably, they're not going to go to guys unless we can get them more engaged. So women are going to probably be more in that mix. So there's just a lot for us to talk about today. Um, and we're glad, and we're glad you're here. So maybe, maybe give, we're, we're going to do in our intro, we're going to talk about your history a little bit, but maybe talk about kind of why you started Martha's in Construction podcast. Sure, sure, sure. So I'm, I'm so glad to be here today. And it's definitely an important topic. Um, Mothers in Construction, I always like to lead off with saying we started off of tears. Okay, it was years of me driving in my car, talking to a couple of the girlfriends that could understand my struggle and my plight on being a mom in this industry and how difficult it was because, um, you know, there's not that many women in the field, period. So the thought of creating a space where women can feel comfortable enough to have their children and have their careers too really wasn't there. It was kind of like something that, you had to create your space. Um, and I was thankful enough to actually work for organizations like Runley Construction and Turner Construction um, and work for individuals who allowed me the space to move. But it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like standard, right? I just have a big mm-hmm. mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, right? so eventually, you know, when things got rough, but unfortunately I let it get to the point to where I was stressed out. You know, it, it came yeah. from a place of being on end, on edge, rather than it being like a standard procedure. So um, when I had my last child, uh, I was going through a lot, you know, I was a little bit older and my body didn't react. My mind didn't react. And I was working on a really tough project. Um, and when I came back, I said, um, you know, I came back to work a little bit early. I cut my maternity leave a little short because they did save my my position. And it was just so much to, to catch up on. And I was in a hole that I could never dig myself out of. So um, I actually put in my, my two weeks notice and said, you know what, I'm quitting. I'm going to work somewhere where for me, it felt like I would have a little bit more work-life balance. And um, it got all the way to the end. And I remember having a conversation with the president, um, two of our vice presidents and we were at the table at this particular project. Um, I said, look, I'm gonna get you guys to um, beneficial occupancy. 
it was a tough, tough project. So I couldn't just leave them like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they said, well, where do you think you're going? I said, well, you know, I'm going over here because I just can't do it. My husband's about to deploy. Um, I've got three kids at home. I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm getting like eight hours of sleep a week, not a day, yeah. oh. a week. And I can't do it. This is this industry is not for moms. And they said, no, what do you need? You know, mm -hmm. and then at that point, I realized that, OK, well, yeah, there's a space for us, but we need accommodations. And um, I started Mothers in Construction to help the industry um, become more inclusive of moms and also to help moms understand how to advocate for themselves so they can have their career and families. And so and so that was five years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yep, my baby turned five. So it was five. Yep. So when so you. um so you, your husband is in the military. So, so you have moved around quite a bit, right? And so, if if that's right, if that's right, have you stayed with the same firm who who understand who understood kind of what you were dealing with, and were making um, so accommodations? I yeah, I actually, uh, I met. I'm what you call a late career mill spouse. That's what they call it. I met my husband when he was halfway into his career, and when we met he was going to be stationed in the DC area for five years. So I okay. actually did not have to move around so much. Uh, we went from DC to North Carolina, which we are here now. Uh, we have a pending move overseas, but this will, will essentially be my second PCS tour. Um, so when I relocated to North Carolina, I did stay on with that company for a while. Um, yep. But, you know, my husband and I just kind of made the decision that I needed to start fresh and, and see if I could explore new um, avenues. So I actually worked for the Department of Defense, um, thinking that working for the federal government and working for the Army <laughs> um, would allow me the flexibility and the understanding to be able to stay in this career. But what was so funny about that position is it required me to travel 30% of the time. Yeah, jeez. Oh, right? And so when you think about 30%, I'm thinking 30% across a, a year, right? Right. But it could be and sometimes it was five weeks straight of travel, you know, yeah. just coming home for a couple of days, going back out. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. I loved what I was doing because it it, it hit home for me. I was representing the Army Reserve Command and uh, managing the Milcom project. So what it went for me was that I was um, having a hands-on experience with making sure that soldiers received the facilities and their families received the facilities that they needed. Um, but it was it was a lot. It was yeah. a lot to do, a lot of travel. And I just thought about, okay, well, what's going to happen next when we move on again? So I thought about becoming an entrepreneur and um, that way I could write my own path, right? So right. that's yep. that was my decision. And that's yeah. where I am. So, Tonya, I was, um, I was in the Navy in the 90s. Oh, okay. um, so, so I kind of, I kind of, I can empathize maybe more than some with, 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 with what it means to be a mill spouse. I did not have a spouse at the time. And I always said that it was relatively easy for me. I was a submariner and, um, I always said it was relatively easy for me compared to the guys who had wives and kids when we pulled away from home port. Cause I wasn't waving goodbye to anybody, um, like, like that. Um, so, but anyway, I appreciate that. I appreciate your husband. I'm guessing I was going to guess that he was a Marine, but was he, is he in the army as well or he's in an army? Yeah. Okay. And how many years? I won't has he let been him in? hear you say that. No. <laughs> <You're right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking North Carolina. Isn't Lejeune in North Carolina? I was. That's why I was guessing Marines. 
It is, but also we're, um, well, it, it used to be Fort Bragg. It's Fort Liberty now. That's okay. Station. And how many years into his career is he? Uh, he actually has his 20. Um, he has his 20, but uh, he's going to do a little bit more to see where it takes him. And uh, yeah, so he's 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 to the point now where he could possibly transition, but he's going to do this overseas tour and then, you know, we'll figure out the rest later. Okay, so so um, I don't want to get into all your personal stuff, but if you deploy overseas, where are you headed? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say Asia. <laughs> I don't want to put too much out there, um, but I'll say Asia. So that's our our next. Wow, next, uh, How, and 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 this is not the 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 purpose of our being with you today, but <laughs> but I'm fascinated. Like, the, how do the kids feel about that? So we showed them a water park and they got excited. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> They're easy. Um, no, it, 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 it's difficult for them. Um, when we left the DC area, they, they, they were around near more family here where we are now. Mm. So they, they've liked that fact, but they miss their friends. They miss DC. So it was pretty hard for them. Um, and then we moved during COVID. So it was, you know, tough because they didn't really get a chance to do that transitional goodbye, you know. Um, but the, my children are really like creatives and um, inquisitive. They started to establish some type of fascination on their own. So it's just, it's wow. something that they're looking forward to, actually. It'll be a great experience, too, right? Uh, yeah, I, so. I think for for them. Well, I want to get us back on track, but first of all, I want to thank your husband for his service and, yeah. and you for being a military spouse. Uh, and I also want to take advantage of, or, or we're here on Juneteenth, and so I want to mm-hmm. wish you a happy Juneteenth um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, the other common denominator that I have with you is that my dad was in construction, um, but I, I want to hear the backstory. I mean, because again, Sean mentioned, Sean referred to the construction industry as being male dominated. I think that you're proving that it's not, it may be predominantly well, male, but let's not male dominated because we got strong women oh, in the industry as well. And yeah, I know that, okay, I know that's what right. you meant. No, no, no. I, I know. Yeah. I know, right. I'm not trying populated. to Sorry, sorry. Populated. Yeah, populated, is that the word? All right. Thanks, Chris. You, Thanks yeah. for that beat down. Right? No, not a beat down. Like, I just wanted, I was, that's a shout out to the women in construction. Is you're right. Yeah, oh, you're right. Um, right. Tony, how did you, how, yeah, being that it is predominantly male, how did you end up in construction? Um, I ended up in construction. Uh, I I came from an inner city neighborhood in, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, pretty tough area. And there wasn't a lot of access. You know, I didn't know anything about construction. My uh, parents would force us to go to school outside of the neighborhood. So I went to junior high school outside of the neighborhood. And I also went to high school, one of the STEM high schools in Brooklyn. And um, that's how I was exposed to this particular area because my my track, I ran track since I was a little girl and I ran it in high school. And it just so happens that my track coach was the architecture. He was one of the, the teachers mm-hmm. in the architecture program. So I figured I'd give it a try because I knew him. <laughs> um, and once I started to take the classes, I had a building construction class and I had a wonderful teacher. And he actually took us to a local construction site, which was a couple of blocks away from the high school. And we saw the building coming out of the ground. It was a condo. And I was just amazed, you know. So from that point on, I developed a love for architecture. I, I chose to stay 
um, and go to Howard University for architecture. I enrolled in their architecture program. And throughout my um, time there, I interned with construction companies because I really wanted to know, was this really what I wanted to do? And construction won. That's how I ended up there. So it was really by chance. It was by chance of having a track coach who was an architect. Yeah. Was it tough for you to, to even though you're at Howard studying architecture, was it still tough for you to to crack the industry, get those internships? Um, you know what? Not really. And mostly because I did go to Howard. So we had a lot of exposure and especially being in D.C. D.C. was is a different market. Everybody yeah. always thinks about New York and I'm a New Yorker at heart. Um, but for me, it, it was more fruitful in D.C. because you have a huge federal government ex, um, presence there. Mm -hmm. So even throughout the recession, you know, I pretty much graduated in the recession um, or I started my career in a recession. I should say it was like 2000, between 2006, 2008. D.C. was still thriving. You know, the company yeah. that I worked for was still thriving. So for that, that stance, it was it wasn't bad for me to get in. Mm -hmm. I, it's it's funny because even though I grew up around architecture with my dad, I and I, I live in Chicago, Tonya, and mm -hmm. I, I go by these construction sites and I just see um, chaos because there's so many things going on at once. And I think whoever's managing that project is a badass. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and and so and so it makes sense that um, I mean I joke about this all the time and I've been scolded about it before, but the, and and it's sort of a male. Uh, stereotype, but I have trouble multitasking. I'll just be honest. And, mm -hmm. and so the fact that you're a mother of, of three and a military spouse and a, uh, you know, uh, a construction professional and leader, it, it makes sense that you're able to keep all the balls in the air, but like, t tell me about like your, your role in construction, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, I come from a, a senior project manager background, so I was the one managing those projects. And you're right, it, it, it is complete chaos. <laughs> but you know what? It's chaos. It's stressful. And I think it leads into, you know, some of your initiatives as to the stress it gets to people at times. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but also those of us that can hang in there, we thrive off of it. Uh -huh. We thrive. My husband talks to me all the time. He's like, you thrive in mess. Uh -huh. You know, um, when we transitioned here, he's like, look, take some time off. It was hard. He was away. It was COVID. I was uh, managing projects and raising three kids on my own. And um, he's like, you need some time. And so I took two months off. That was the most miserable time of my life. Because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be outside and say, go over there, go over there, do this, do that. Like, that's <laughs> that's what I'm used to. So it, it is chaotic. But the thing about it is the beauty of everything coming together. Mm -hmm. Every building has a story. So whenever you see those ribbon cuttings, and you see the owners walk into those buildings and they experience the beauty and the shiny floors, know that it was a chaotic story, uh -huh. right? And yeah. when I sit back and I think about the things that I go through or have been through with some of my teams and the fact that we were able to turn those buildings around and have a happy owner, that's why people stay in construction. That's mm -hmm. why we dedicate our lives and spend most of our time away from our family because um, it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful experience. So, so I'm curious, do you have a favorite project that you've worked on or one uh -huh. that you're mo most proud of? My favorite project was doing the first phase of the restoration on the U.S. Capitol. No Hands way. 
No way. Wow. That's crazy. Hands down to be able to be 100 feet in the air and touching the stone. It was the first time that that building had been renovated um, in, in years. Like, you know, I think I believe it was 200 years. Um, and when I learned the history, you know, at that time, I didn't even know that slaves, you know, were involved in the building of the Capitol. Right. Mm. Um, and the history behind it, you could the stone speaks to you. Those yeah. times when we were up there on that scaffolding, it was like an out-of-body experience, and I couldn't believe that I was actually there. Um, so that wasn't the largest project that I've worked on. It was the toughest project just because of the quality of the owner, um, the historic preservationist over there, the architecture team of the architect of the Capitol, they're top-notch. So you were not coming in there half-stepping <laughs> wow. at all. Um, and a difficulty, again, with that project, which I'm most proud of, is the fact that, you know, there were so many unknowns and so many variables that we had to work around, but we still made our yeah. date. So if you think about whenever Congress meets or they're in session, you cannot be close to that building, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and it's unpredictable. You watching on the news, you think that they're going to come to an agreement. They don't. Now think yeah. about working on a construction project during that yeah, time. Right. So yeah, right. So we're standing yeah. outside with folks out. I was in the middle of the night. I was pregnant on that project. And there were times where I covered the night shift because it was easier for us to work at night so that we didn't have to deal with traffic and this one coming to visit. And you know what I mean? Because it's high security. And there were times where, you know, we're, we got to get rocking. I've got people sitting in the yard with me. They're ready to go to work. And we're waiting for that light to come on. And it doesn't come on. <laughs> so, um, wow. Here's the thing. I'm never watch. I'm never watching TV thinking they're going to come to an agreement. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, oh, oh boy. <laughs> Wishful thinking, right? Because yeah, right. Want to work. right I'm sure. Them, it was my first project there, and I and I was talking to the team there, and I said, "Look, how do we we can't operate like this?" And they said, "Well, Tonya, welcome to working at the Capitol." <laughs> Yeah, right. Wow. Well, I would imagine, I mean, the history behind that building, you must have felt an unusually high like weight of responsibility oh. with that with that job as well, right? It was. It was. It, it was it gave me a sense of pride, you know, and it was a huge weight of responsibility. Number one, because we needed to get done before a certain date because things had to go on, you know, that that would impact the country. Um and uh you know, another thing that I took from it is that we actually had artisans come over from Spain who were hand carving this stone. Oh, my and God. Because it, it's still an old trade. It's a trade that is still done by hand. Yeah. And they didn't they they didn't even speak really good English, but we communicated through the art. We communicated wow. through construction. So it was it was amazing. It was amazing. If anybody asks me, that's hands down my my um, best project. It was one of my toughest projects, and it's something that I can, you know, say, hey, you know, I die. If I die tomorrow, I did this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's. A, I'm that's... just imagining your resume that now says uh, demonstrated expertise in managing <laughs> hand stone carvers from Italy. <laughs> right. you know, like, how many people Spain, have done that? Spain. Yeah. yeah, or Spain. Sorry. Yeah. This episode of If You've Come This Far is brought to you by Half Acre Beer Company makers of Daisy Cutter Pale Ale and many other fine ales and lagers. Visit them at their brewery located at 2050 West Balmoral Avenue in Chicago's beautiful Bowmanville neighborhood. No, I was no, just, just going to say, I got to ask the other end of the spectrum. The, the worst project you ever worked on. <laughs> of course you do. 
I, I, I mean, I, I just have to. And see, that one's I mean, harder. It's, it's, I don't want to say worse. Okay. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, when I, I actually worked on the Milken Center for the um, Advancing American Dream, yeah. um, it was tough because of the timeline. We had to completely gut out that that building. Um, we renovated the uh, we <laughs> we uh, restored the roof. Um, we had to do repairs to the floors. We had to move a bank vault. Like it was, and then not to mention you're working for uh, a client that actually you know is very wealthy, yeah. um, who has the ability to kind of you know make changes, right? Um, and, and yeah, the, the timeline is, is very important. So the reason why that one was so tough for me was because of my circumstances with my husband traveling a lot and mm -hmm. being pregnant on that project. And it was a great opportunity. And that's another one that I say, you know what, I'm proud to have been a part of that team. That, that project is actually still ongoing in DC mm -hmm. and it's going to be a great, great building. And that team has, they're doing an amazing job. And, um, but when I say tough, it was from the standpoint of the pressure on the project to to succeed, um, it was because of the time frame, and it was because there wasn't a lot of lay down area because we were in uh, Washington D.C. and we were across the street from the White House. Um, so you think about all of the dynamics of oh, who yeah. we had to get involved in that project. You had two million dollar condos next door, and you're you know Jack literally, um, <laughs> literally demolishing the walls on the bank vault and moving it. So think about the vibrations, the noise, um, working at night. We had at, at one time about 400 men on that project, you know, at one time yeah. um, across 10 floors. So just trying to manage that alone is, uh, and I'll say men, excuse me, workers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> edit that out, please, before I get that. Well, it is, male do <laughs> it, is, it is male dominated. So it's likely that they're mostly, they were mostly men. It, it was, it was definitely <laughs> Um, but, uh, and there was a lot of historic elements to that project. So you had to do the, the care. It, so when I say it wasn't worse, it was, it was definitely the toughest because of my mental state and yeah. because of my family dynamic. Yeah. Do you miss it? Do you miss all that? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. I'm working on smaller scale projects now that I'm, uh, do construction administration for an architect. Yeah. I actually love it because it's bringing me back home to architecture. So now I've sat in all the seats. I sat as a senior project manager. I worked for uh, the Department of Defense as a project officer. So I sat as an owner, a major stakeholder. And now I'm working for an architect. So I'm on the other side. So it has given me a full appreciation of all sides of that, that table. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, I'm guessing that... <clears throat> That time when you sat down with the the company president and the VPs about you potentially leaving was not the first time that you thought, "Wow, it's really hard to be a mother in construction." Um, <clears throat> can you say more about when they when they responded, perhaps a little bit unexpectedly? Well, what tell us what you need? What did you say? What what do mothers in construction need? And maybe I'm 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 getting in front of ourselves here, but no, it's great. Yeah, um, I needed more time. Um, I needed more flexibility with the work hours, which I pretty much had that because I was seeing a, a senior PM, but I felt that, and it probably was mostly me. I always felt guilty or I had to make these accommodations and, you know, sometimes my, my, my children lost, you know, when it came to appointments and attending events and things like that. 
So for me, um, was more time and more leniency on my schedule. Um, I needed to work remotely at times, which at that time, remote and construction did not really go together because it was pre-COVID. Now we know that it does. And uh, I needed more support. Um, and I needed to have a little bit um, shifted responsibilities. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That project, the what that project needed wasn't what I could give it at that time. Um, so, and that, you know, we had that meeting. It really wasn't about me leaving. We were meeting about the project. Right. And oh, um, okay. I was ashamed that I put in my two weeks notice. So I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't bring it up at all, but, um, you know, we started talking about some of the future and I wasn't in it. It was like, oh, well, where do you think you're going? You know, and we started to have that conversation. But I think overall what moms need is just for people to understand. Um, and and they need to advocate for themselves. Now, I've given this company a lot of my time and my energy and and I did, you know, I would like to think that I did good work for them. But I did not think enough of myself to knock on someone's door and sit down and say, hey, I'm drowning. I'm dying. Because mm -hmm. um, literally I was. Um, I was to the point where I was going to have a mental breakdown um, because I wasn't sleeping and I felt like a failure because I, I wasn't giving it my best. But I couldn't give any more. Like there wasn't mm -hmm. enough, enough mm -hmm. hours to stay up you know, and I'm nursing and I, and I have my child and you know what I mean? Like it was just so many things that went on, but, um, what moms need is to have a platform or I would say to have a, um, policies and procedures to where they can speak up and, and advocate for their needs. They need a plan. Um, not that the companies didn't care, but I didn't really have that real good sit down where we kind of established all right, this is what needs to happen. Who's gonna <laughs> going to take over when you're gone? Mm -hmm. What are we going to do? What's going to happen when you come back? I fell into it and so many women fall into it. They either fall and they can stand up or they fall and they drown and they leave. And that's mm -hmm. where this revolving door and construction happens with moms. Yeah, and I, I think just, you know, just an aside outside of construction, I mean, my wife was involved in comp and benefits for, for her whole career and what she found <clears throat> as as women came in back to the, this issue of advocacy as they come in as a new hire um you know they're not they're not advocating aggressively for the kind of pay packages and and compensation and and uh vacation and on and just the whole package that a man would and um you know there's a little bit of an attitude of well you know I'll you talk about about guilt and leaving or feeling bad about having to make these accommodations. That's gotta, I mean, that's gotta end. But um, so so even though occasionally she would be on the side of the uh employer, she was taking these women aside and saying, Okay, you need to you need to advocate for yourself a little bit more aggressively. So um, is that changing in the industry? Are you seeing where where women are being more um you know, or speaking up more? I I, I do. Um, yeah. I'm seeing a lot on social media, <laughs> of mm -hmm. course, um, but yeah. I want it to be more in the workplace. Um, they're definitely speaking up more. And I think pretty much what will cure this is to have more women or moms in leadership positions, because yeah. that's when you understand. Mm -hmm. You really can't expect anyone. We can empathize with each other all day, but it's hard for me to look at you all, right? 
and to expect you to know what how it feels to nurse. Mm-hmm. Right. At least right. Unless, unless science changes it, it's not going to be first, you know, it's not going to be the first thing on your mind to right. know what a woman needs, you know, when she's going through this phase in her life or right. the fact that, you know, you can be in severe pain if you don't, you know, handle your, your lactation needs on these sites. Right. Right. So we have to speak about speak up more, but I think what's happened is because it's mostly male populated, the women feel like, you know what, they already let me in here. You know, right. some people already don't want me to be here. I don't want to shake it up too much. And when I look to my left and I look to my right, I don't have anybody else to stand in this room with me to advocate. And I'm afraid to do it by myself. Yep. That's why I started Mothers in Construction, because I, I want us to be that advocacy group for it to, to help you have these conversations and to support you. I um, started my career in Washington, D.C. There's more African-Americans there. There are more women in leadership positions there. So when I started my career, I had those women to look up to. When I talk to people who are in like Montana or places like that, they're not there. So yeah. my view on what's needed also needed to be changed. And that's why I started the podcast, because I had to talk to women from different areas. And I learned a lot. You yeah. know, I, that I took for granted, you know, starting my career in D.C. So there's still a long way to go, even though, yes, the conversation is being had now. But there are still some areas where the numbers are very low. So we still have the women that are just doing just getting in where they fit in and um, yeah. trying not to rock the boat. Uh, Tonya, when did, can you give us a little bit more background on like how the the idea of mothers in construction came like not how it came to you because you've already told us your story so I get that but like when did you decide to pull the trigger and say I'm actually going to do this Mm -hmm. so that was um two years ago actually when I was taking that little bit of break I told you I can never sit down Uh um and when I had time to think about it you know I was um still managing my project remotely that was in Virginia my children were being homeschooled. So let's let's think about that. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> because they weren't in schools. They were home with me. And I'm still trying to, you know, close out a project. And um after that, I took off that time and I didn't know what to do. Then all of these things were going through my head. And I said, you know what? At that time when I um had my child and I was joking with one of my girlfriends and said, you know what, I need to start mothers in construction. And we were thinking a blog, but I never did it. And you know. 2021, it was all about podcasts. So I said, mm-hmm. you know what? Let me go upstairs. I asked um, a cousin of mine and a friend of mine that were um, that had a podcast and a friend of mine who's in a podcasting industry. Order this mic, you know, set up this program. Go. I went upstairs and I started recording. So that's really where it started. Was I recorded my story and then I said, how cool would it be for me to create what's what I think is a playbook and interview these different women to tell their stories. And we think about topics that are impacting impacting moms, um, not even in construction, just period, right? Um, So that's where it started. And as I started to speak to these different women and allies, I said, you know what? There's room for us to actually standardize a lot of these things. And we need the mom police because I'm talking to women in in the trades who are telling me that they actually have lost their jobs when they became pregnant. And it was under the guise of, well, hey, you know, you're a welder, so I need you to get up on that beam. You can't get up on the beam with that huge belly. You're a liability to me. 
So I got to let you go. Uh-huh. Right. Because you're underperforming. Yeah. Um, and once I started to hear those stories, I knew that this actually needed to be an organization to do something about all of these things that are still happening today. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm, gosh, I'm so sorry, you guys. I got a little bit of a cold and I keep clearing my throat. I apologize. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm thinking about your view of the industry. Like, and I know it's, a, I work in the education space. So we think a lot about this with like teachers, like there's pipeline and preparation. So for you, it's like what, getting more young women into trade schools for welding and everything else, but also getting more young women into architecture, bachelor's programs and engineering, civil engineering programs, stuff like that. But like, like what is the impact that you hope to make? Maybe it's all of the above plus. So um, I think that we are mostly going to lightly touch on trying to get more women in the field. And I say that because there are so mm-hmm. many different programs and organizations that are doing that already. Okay. I think what's lacking now for me is that once they come into the industry, what are you going to do with them? Right. Yes, there's a 450,000 450, labor shortage, and it's probably more now. They, they yeah. anticipate that in the upcoming years is going to increase. Right. So now we're going to get all these women here and we don't know what to do with them because they're going to be moms, because they're going to need to nurse on site, because (laughs) they're going to need to go to their children's recite, you know, like all of these different things that they're going to need. And I honestly, you know, I, I, I would hope to one day do this research. I, I honestly believe that a lot of what attributes to the low numbers of women in construction is also the revolving door. The fact that they come into construction in their 20s and then they want to have their families and they exit construction and they may come back or they may not. Right. And I did it myself. So I know there's so many different ones who had those thoughts of this is not for me to have a family. So I've got to step aside. So I think that the space for mothers in construction really is to focus on retaining women Mm, and giving them what they need. And at the same time, that will also encourage more women to come into the field. Because when I talk to different employers, I say, you know what, by you doing these things, you can go to the to these recruitment um, uh, uh, seminars and say, hey, you come work for us. We've got a plan for you. We're not going to wait until your water breaks to figure out what's going on with your position. We're going to walk you into a process to where you feel comfortable to be able to be a mom and be in a space. Are you seeing organizations that are taking those steps to implement those programs? Um, personally, not a lot. Okay. Um, I I know of um, experiences where it's happening like on the individual level. But yeah. again, what I've seen it happen is where there's a woman who feels powerful enough to have those conversations. I want to talk to the muted. I want to talk to the ones that don't feel that they can... Um, have that conversation on their own but if there is a set policy right because maternity leave wasn't always there now there's a set policy i don't have to beg you to have time off to care for my child because there's a policy so it should be the same thing absolutely it's and it sounds like if i understood you correctly it's like you mentioned you would love to do that research uh, I was curious about the rate of attrition uh, among women in construction versus that of men. 
my guess is that it would be much higher for all the reasons that you're alluding to. Um, do we know, know that to be true or at least anecdotally true? I haven't seen the data. It, it makes sense <laughs> to me, but I but that's one of the things that I would like to work on with the organization is having the ability to show that, you know, because it, it when you can show those numbers, I think it'll get more people to understand it. Right. Um, I, I have had some organizations reach out to me and say, you know what, we want to start this. We believe it's important. So I, I think that is coming, but I have not seen an overwhel overwhelming response to the needs of moms in this industry. No. Well, and the, and the whole issue of, of uh, addressing the needs of women who are, who are moms and having families, I mean, is, is a industry. I mean, it's not just construction industry. I mean, it's business across the board. I mean, those policies and procedures, again, are, are fine in some spaces, but for the most part, it's still, it's still, there's still a big gap in what's required or what's needed to make things better. So yeah, women, women have families and they don't come back to work. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I think business in the end ends up, ends up suffering for that. Um, it does, but we, we bring some, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say that, you know, I focus on the qualities that moms bring. Being a mom has forced me into leadership qualities right. that I didn't even know I had. Right. Um, a lot of women lead their households. Um, a lot of women, um, definitely we, we negotiate with our children. Like that has strengthened my skills <laughs> to the key. Um, I'm adaptable. Yeah. Um, I'm flexible. I think outside the box. I'm a good scheduler because I'm trying to fit so much in just the, you know, the the one and a half hours to get out the door, right? right. You don't want to wake your children up three hours early in the morning, but you really need to, but they need sleep. So how do I get 15 things done in an hour so that they can be on time for school? You know what I mean? Like yeah. those are all the things that doing that at home, it doesn't stop there. I bring that into the profession as well. Yep. So, no and, and so many women do. I'm not saying that there's all perfect moms out there. I'm not saying that, that, that we just naturally come with that, but a lot of us do. And there's benefit to having us here. Um, um, yeah. So that's pretty much it. So we need to, we need to get you a, a grant from somebody to fund that study to yeah. support the work that you're doing. I, Thanks. <laughs> I'll, I'll get on. I'll get do, on that. Do, do we need to? Do we really, really need to to get? I think we all know that's pretty much. Pretty you much. You know what though? Case. But that's what that. The, like I suspect, Tonya, like you, you would be, you would be in such a stronger position if you could point to the data, right? Like, yes, people, yes. even though Sean, I know that everyone knows the data are there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I they want to see I, it though. They want to see, see it. See it. So, yeah, there was um, you know, uh, organization called Ambition uh, Theory and NCCER. They actually did um, um, a report, a white paper on um, women in construction and and their needs and what they want and and where they are. And it is really enlightening, even for me to see different things. Like I mentioned, I had so many different women that I could look up to when I started my career. I really had no clue that there yeah. were 80% of women in that report did not have, um, mm. you know, leadership that they, they never worked for, um, a woman, Yeah. you know? So, so it's, and this was this year. So it's still present. Um, the hardest thing for me being honest is trying to juggle so much, right. Yeah. I, I yeah. lifted all of the things that I do throughout the day. Um, and I really want 
to uh, get mother's extraction to the point where I'm able to really help as much as I can. But you're right. I need the grants. I need the people. I need all types of things. And I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still, I, it's still, I just want to say like, it's still a human story, right? Like in, in my, with my nonprofits, like the data are important. And to your point, Sean, like the, the human side of the story sure. is, is more important. Right. And so, right. you know, certainly a podcast where you're, where we get to hear from 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 mothers in this business who, and and what they have to do just to, you know, I hate to say make ends meet, but like to to manage the whole the whole show is is remarkable, and so it's not either or; it's it's certainly both. Mm-hmm. I, Tony, I'd like to get your take. You know, I I, I opened up with the talk about stats, data, CDC talking about the rates of mental health and suicide issues in construction, and again male populated or not, as you, as you create, um, an, an industry and a set of, uh, programs and an environment that supports all humans. Um, what's your take on, on this kind of data and what's happening in construction as it relates to mental health and, and rates of suicide? Um, do you have, you know, experiences with that and, and what's your take? Oh, oh, Hands down. I've had experience with it personally um, because when you have someone working for you and, and working in these type of types of environments that are already chaotic by themselves, and now you think about their personal lives. So I think in leadership, even, even as a senior project manager, I always, I'm just a caring person in general, but I would have those conversations. If I saw someone that didn't look right, whether they work for me or not, I would take that time to go have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? I would find out that their wife is leaving them because they've been working for mm-hmm. me on my projects. Yeah. Okay. Too many hours. They miss too many birthdays. Yeah. They're working on the weekend. And that is standard construction, right? That is, those are the hours of construction. Sometimes you're working at six o'clock, working at 6 p.m. Um, I always, uh, as an owner, I would speak to, um, those on the opposite side too, because they have this theory that, oh, you know, or, or uh, construction companies, they love changers. Said, no, they don't. Uh-huh. You think you're thinking about the financial impact of the change order, right? What, what are you going to make? Maybe 10, 15 points on the change order. Think yeah. about that person now, right? Especially rework. Rework is the worst because now you're asking someone again, who has missed their child's birthday, who has not been able to go on a vacation with their wife, right? Or, or their spouse, period, right? Now, you're asking them to take down something <laughs> that they just put their blood, sweat, and tears mm-hmm. in. And that impacts you mentally. So when yeah. you think about all, all of these aspects of construction and you tie that into uh, you know, someone's personal life, I think that's the reason why you're dealing with that. And then also the pressure of hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I need it done yeah. now, 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 yeah. now. Right. That is the tone and that is the environment that we work in in construction. And you've got, you know, people on opposite sides who are invested in their bottom line and what they want to get out of it. And no one, I don't say a lot of people don't think about the other side of things. Right. Just like what I just told you, the owners are thinking, oh, they love change orders. Yeah. And the people on the opposite side, or maybe maybe the the front office maybe likes it because they're making money, but the person on the job site is going through it. So there's a lot there as far as um you know 
us focusing on mental health in construction. Um, also because it's male populated and we all know this, that men typically don't have that avenue. They don't have the girlfriend that they can call like women, you know, like we typically do and just lay it all out and they bottle yeah. it inside. There's isn't a space. You're not manly. Now they talk about all types of things. Don't get me wrong. Cause I've heard too much on construction, <laughs> <laughs> but they're not yeah. talking about mental health. They're not really right. talking about their feelings because it's not considered macho, which we yeah. still have that in construction. So, so it's very real. It's very important. Um, I'm thankful for the data that is out there now because it forces people to look at it and understand it rather than you having the one person who's trying to address it on a local level. Yeah. Sean, it makes me, it, it makes me obviously think about man therapy, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this, and this, I mean, there's a couple things going on there, right? Certainly men and men's help seeking behavior is not as, as good as women's. You know, like we're less inclined to ask for help, but also, uh, and I, I'm guessing that that medical benefits are pretty good in the construction industry. But then, aside from that, it's like when when are you going to have time? Right, you're already missing birthdays and working crazy hours yeah. and working on the Capitol on the weekends and at night. It's like <laughs> when, when do you when do you go? You know, find and then work with a therapist. Right. You don't prioritize your health and especially those that are working with their tools in the field. When do they have, like you said, when do they have the time to take off to go to all of these things? Because if they do, are you going to come back to a job? You know, when when a, a project manager, when they evaluate their um, like work in place, right, when you do your projections, you're doing that with having a certain amount of labor in the field. Right. So if everybody just takes off and goes and handle these things, then we're not going to get to the end of the project. So I think that it's important to not, not that I'm saying that the thing, right, the project is more important than people, but we do have to understand that there is a job to do. And sure. I even experienced that, you know, um, with one of my uh, leaders and he did put it to me, Frank, he said, yeah, I know you got all this stuff going on. I know this is going on with your husband and da, da, da. But at the end of the day, we got to get this job done. Yeah. So it's important for us to think outside the box as to, okay, now how do we do all of these things and help the people and still help the project? Okay. So I'm sitting here thinking exactly that same thing because, because it, that's not that, that's not going to change about the industry. Right? right. I mean, the go, go, go timeframes, getting stuff, that's not going to change. So, so what is the out of box that says, all right, is it about the people that we bring into the industry that have to understand? Is it, is it, is it real communication about this is what this requires? And then we have to, we have to work through that. I, I'm at a, I'm at a loss right now for, I mean, I'm so, sure there's, you know, people that have been thinking about it a lot more than we have, but. When I think about, let's think about things and this is a safety issue right but let's think yeah. about the safety um environments um there are certain things that were done before i mean you've got pictures i know everyone even if you're not in construction you think about it might have seen this um this photo of these uh iron workers sitting on a steel beam i believe it i don't know if it was in chicago or new york one of them right yeah they didn't have any yes. harnesses they're yeah. eating their lunch that's <laughs> just how it was back then yeah now you have to have now you have fall protection and how do we go from them walking on that beam to now having fall protection? Well, we trained. 
Yeah. And we brought the training to the worker. So mm -hmm. the mental health aspect of it is not going to be any differently. No, you can't have someone, you know, come off the job site for an extended amount of time unless they need to. But let's bring the professionals to the workers. If if they, you know, they don't like going, a lot of people don't like going to the trainers, but they're forced to go to trainers because it's important for the company to abide by the safety regulations that are in these are you know proposals, um, these big proposals. Mm -hmm. So the owners have to standardize some of these things. Right. That's where it starts. It has to be a standard that says you've got to do X, Y, Z because the industry is going to follow. Even when it comes to mothers in construction and things that moms need, I hands down say every day that it, it typically, it can start with a nice to do with the construction companies, but it is going to start with that owner. You know, that owner of that hospital is going to say, you know what, you're going to have a lactation pie yeah. or some mm -hmm. type of facility on that site. And I'm going to put it into my documents because then everybody will make accommodations yeah. to allow. So, mm. so like, obviously you love this industry and you also mm -hmm. see some of the downsides some of the ways that the industry may lag other industries. Um, what are you, how, how does the conversation go when your 11 year old says, Hey mom, I want to, I want to go to trade school to be a welder or your five-year-old ends up saying, Hey, I want to go study civil engineering. Cause I want to be in the same industry as you. Like what, how do you approach that? Well, I'm pulling them every day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to my son about engineering. I still have those conversations. I still love this industry. Um, I don't sugarcoat it to anybody because I mm -hmm. tell them that it is tough. Um, but I think that what I, what I'm doing differently now is I'm equipping my kids with knowing how to have those conversations and speak up for themselves. And even um, I've had several discussions with moms, um, had like work, workplace uh, seminar, uh, in-place events. And I've told the women, have the conversation. They're like, well, you know what? Well, what if, uh, what if it's not received well? Do you want to work there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned right. the infrastructure bill um, earlier, right? Yeah. There's more positions than people. It's right. kind of like real estate. You go with the flows. When it's a buyer's market, you know, this person has the upper hand. Right now, the employees have the upper hand because you're needed. This is the time where you can have those conversations and force the hand. Then it becomes standard. Boom. Now my children will have that. Right. Yep. Yep. So when I think about what I'm telling my children, I'm still encouraging them to get into the field if they want to. I'm not forcing them, but I'm seeing qualities in them that will be a, a line by line match with uh, them getting into some type of construction, right? Whether it's engineering, architecture, whatever it is, but also equipping them with knowing that this is what you need to say you need in order for you to thrive. Are, are you, um, you're doing the podcast, are you... I'm thinking about this woman who said, you know, what if they don't want me? Um, you can also, at some level, you could be an advocate for these individuals too. Are you working with construction companies at all in, in establishing some of these policies or are you reaching out? Is that part of mothers in construction, your business model? It will be part of it. That is definitely a part of the business model. Um, I've had several that I've had conversations with. But as you know, before you go to those seats at the table, you got to have 
a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you and it's still a selling process, right? Because it's going to be what's in it for me. So I'm yeah. working with my board and we're putting together documentation to do just that, to tell everyone what we do and so that they can understand the benefit. But I have had several um, contractors that have reached out to me and said, you know what, I want to do something for my women. And um, I'm actively working on some things right now. That's great. Yeah, good luck with that. It's needed. Amen. And you'd be a great, a great advocate for it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Chris. Well, Tonya, we do this thing at the end of these podcasts where we ask three sort of canned questions. Are you are you game for this? I'm game. All right. Um, the first question is, what do you wish you could have told your 10-year-old self? Oh, man. I'm still talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I went through a lot as a child, um, just through my environment and what I was exposed to. I think I would have told her that you don't have to be so hard, <laughs> you know, love yourself and, um, and those that love you will, and those that don't love you won't, but you're still going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Well, your ten-year-old self grew up to be pretty impressive. Um, right. So, so, so things yeah. went went uh, well, and I think your parents did a, a great job. Um, the second question is: Do you have a mantra in life, or or even a mantra these days? Uh, the mantra, and I'll, I'll tell you the mantra for Mothers in Construction, which is still mine, is "Make it happen." Um, because I think that there's always going to be things that you go through, but at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta keep it popping, you gotta keep it going. So make it happen is my mantra is that I've got to get to the end game regardless. Mm. I, I love that. Keep it popping. Um, and by the way, this came up, this came to mind earlier. I always, I'm thinking of great band names. I think uh, my next band is going to be called Fall Protection. Wouldn't that be, <laughs> that'd be an incredible band name. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's see. Last question, Tonya. Um, what do you hope that people will say about you at your wake? I would love for them to talk about my heart um, and to appreciate where I come from. I, I'm, a, I'm always heart led. Um, I'm a rough person because it's like I said, with my upbringing. So sometimes it may come across a little harsh with people um, because I'm all or nothing. I'm very blunt, very, very out there. But I would love for them to to, to talk about my heart and um, my ability to um, reach out to the masses to help others. It's mm. great. That's awesome. I suspect yeah. they will. Yeah. Thank you you got to be, you got to be a little blunt and a little tough to, to, to run chaos, don't you? I mean, I'm from East New York. Okay? Right, right, right. I'll leave with that. I'm from East New York, Brooklyn. And if I was not from there, I don't know if I could have dealt with all of the things I dealt with in construction. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so Seriously. yes, you gotta you, in order to survive in this industry, you have to be strong and tough. Yes. Yeah. I'm lovingly telling you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to right. dot dot dot. Yeah. That's right. That's to make right. it happen. I'm lovingly tell lovingly telling you to make it happen. Make it so, happen. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been wonderful to chat with you. I'm glad you could make the time to come and and connect with us. And we uh we look forward to future conversations for sure. Uh, you and I are definitely planning on that. So 
Yes, thank you for this opportunity. It's been great speaking with you all as well. I love and admire what you're doing, and I'm glad that we can come together to make this thing work. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Tonya. You're awesome. Thanks, Tonya. Peace. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Chris. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of If You've Come This Far. And this is Sean. Remember to check us out at menliving.org.